Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar and ESPN's Courtney Cronin here on Score North. A very, very exciting day. Sage Rosenfels, our journeyman quarterback reporter, will be in studio for our number two. So we've got lots to break down. The Vikings offseason, how Gary Kubiak will impact the offense. Sage's takes on some other things that have happened, including Ryan Fitzpatrick signing a deal with Miami, the big day for journeyman quarterbacks. But the place we have to start is some recent moves over the last day and a half or so. Amir Abdullah resigned. Dan Bailey, according to Tom Pelissero, is resigning with the Vikings. And also, Tom Compton left for the New York Jets. What's that, Manny? I said <laughs> Tom Compton left for the New York Jets. I have been waiting for that for so long. Thank you, Manny, for making my Tuesday. You're welcome. The second that happened yesterday, I mean, that's a big. You know, it's not a huge blow when you, in terms of everything, but that's a body. Like, all of these offensive line bodies are just vacating the premise. And when that happened, I, I knew I had to take advantage of that. Yes. Yeah, that, I, so. and, and you can't, I have been waiting since only since they signed him last year in March to, uh, to somehow use that. And also, you came in with a last-minute request for Manny, and he scrambled and got you straight out of Compton. So if you, I, I, was, I was waiting to find out that Tom Compton was returning to the Vikings like five minutes before <laughs> the show started. <laughs> right. Everyone who goes to sign with the Jets ultimately ends up signing with the Minnesota Vikings. So that brings about a question, Courtney, and if uh, you all want to weigh in on this, with your solutions, 651-646-8255 is the phone number. What are the Minnesota Vikings going to do on the offensive line? Your thoughts? <laughs> well, they have no money right now. Mm-hmm. So the, the thing that has to happen, in my opinion, this week is maybe seeing some restructures, seeing some probably more extensions. I think that that's what has to take place here. If they want to sign Josh Klein, who re- multiple people have reported that he's coming in on a visit this week, we still don't know when that visit's going to happen. I've been told more it's later in the week. They've got to give themselves the room to create some cap space to if they do want to sign him. I mean, he was he's a viable starter. At this point, you're shopping the bargain bin. So you're going to be getting cheaper options, which, heck, we thought Nick Easton could have been one of those three to $5 million a year cheaper options. Uh, turns out he's not. Turns out that 
his agent was able to get him an incredible deal for somebody coming off a neck injury where he had a bulging disc in his neck um, last season. And he's getting, you know, on average, on average, six million dollars a year in New Orleans to play center his natural position. So that's a great fit. Um, But at this point, there has to be more moves that happen internally with their own roster if they're going to go get anybody in free agency or if that doesn't happen and we get through the second wave, third wave, and they haven't signed anybody, then we're looking to the draft. And that is that is no other... You can't look past that. You can't look past them drafting somebody right at 18 and then again at 50. I think you have to go all in. I'm draft simming as we speak. Are you? Just, yes, I am. I decided right off the top I want to draft sim. And you can feel free to draft sim as well. I probably will. Because uh, I'm trying to figure out if the Vikings can get two starting offensive linemen in the draft. Josh Klein has more suitors. It's not only the Minnesota Vikings. And the problem with Nick Easton was they wanted him back, and someone else went, eh, we've got a little more money than you do, so we're just going to sign this player that you wanted. And that could happen with Josh Klein as well. As he meets with other teams, they could dig up the cash to just beat the Vikings offer and not allow them to get Josh Klein. And then you're looking at a bunch of guys that have injury issues like Andy Levitri or TJ Lang or Josh Sitton. These were all very good players, but uh, the likelihood that they're going to be able to bounce back at their age from bad injuries that kept them out most of the season uh, is pretty low. And we get to a point where if you are relying on draft picks to come in and start and change your entire offensive line, you're really playing with fire there. And with Tom Compton, I thought, Manny, if you will, Straight out of Compton. I thought that they would bring him back for like a million bucks. And Dude, they paid him 500000 last year. You think they'd give him a raise <laughs> after that season? Well, you know, they're... A little bit of a misconception on Tom Compton is that <laughs> okay. like he was a complete disaster. Okay, so when you look at the pro football focus grades and all that sort of stuff, he did give up a lot of pressures. They also threw the ball a lot, and he was not a good offensive lineman, but the crazy thing is you can do worse. He was in the lower middle, like a little below average in terms of his PFF grades. Mm-hmm. You can do worse. Yeah. So when you're letting go a guy who was a solid backup and when forced to play was a little below average. Little below average, okay. He was. I mean, by his PFF grades, he was a little below average. He was like 46th out of 77 or something like that, which I'm not saying he was good in any way, shape, or form. It's just Serviceable you, is the word you're looking for here. For a guy who is a career backup that's never started before, who was thrust into the situation by Nick Easton's bulging disc, then... Yes, he did the job that he was supposed to do. It was not great. And of course, you look to upgrade. But as far as a backup to bring back, I I thought that he would have made a lot of sense. Not to start, but just to bring back. But now the fact that they are straight out of Compton, you not only don't have starters. You don't have backups either. Or backups. You have the wide-ranging depth chart of Danny Isadora. And Aviant Collins, and which Aviant everybody Collins. wants us to talk about him moving to guard because I think we saw it in one or two pre one preseason game before he got the elbow injury and yep. all of that. I mean, the funny thing that as I look through, I look at Sport Track earlier, just like all the guards that they have left and an offensive lineman. I mean, it is the bottom of the barrel right now. You bring up a guy like TJ Lang. I mean, there's there's a chance that he retires. Yeah. Um, that he's he, I've been told he's milling over that right now. It would not surprise me. 
you're not going to find anybody in that sweet spot 26 to 30 range. I think that's going to be your day one plug and play starter. You might have somebody here who can eventually fill that role. Might be a training camp battle, but heck, it kind of in 2017, we, you know, when they were trying to force, uh, force feed what the offensive line was going to look like and nobody expected it to be where it was week one yeah. at the start of training camp. I mean, I'm not saying they're in the exact same situation, but it's not that far off. I mean, yes, they did sign Reef and Remmers, and they overpaid for both of them in free agency. That's that's different. But they still had time to work pieces around. I mean, I think that there are some options here if you're looking at what they can possibly do, who they can afford. The question I have, like I'm looking at a name right now that no one's asked me about, and I'm kind of surprised. What the heck happened to Brett Jones? They paid $2.9 million for him last year, and he did nothing. Like why? To me, I mean, clearly, I mean, as Mike Zimmer called him, squatty body. He, does, he has the he has the build of somebody that he want on the interior. Maybe he's a better center than he is a guard. But he's his name isn't being brought up in the conversation at least so far right now. I mean, Josh Klein's really the only one we know potentially. I mean, Stefan Wisniewski. Like, I mean, there are options. It's just nothing's going to be that sexy name that's really going to you know spark, okay, this is going to fix the offensive line altogether. And no matter how much a zone scheme helps offensive linemen, if you're talking about bringing in guys like Josh Klein, who is coming off a really poor year, then you're really just risking repeating 2017. And this is the question we will ask all along, is should they have poured the money into the offensive side to get a better offensive lineman. Jawan James, I think, probably is the best option they could have gotten. A a fairly young tackle. Like, Roger Saffold is over 30 years old. So if you're paying him for four years at $11 that's pretty risky, too. I think think Titans had a steal with that for a franchise guard. I mean, I thought that was a great move. I I know that the Vikings were interested in doing that, but they just had no money, and they were deciding that they were going to allocate it elsewhere. It's only if he stays healthy. Which he has, for, he the, has for the most part. For the yes. most part, last few years. The injuries were a lot earlier in his career. But over 30 years old, anytime you get a guy at 31, you're, you're talking about a risk. So I thought Juwan James would have been the better pick, maybe at right tackle. And we had Brandon Thorne on to explain to us that Riley Reef moving to guard might not be as big of a disaster as Mike Remmers moving to guard. But none of these things have happened. So they weren't able to spend the money because they brought back Anthony Barr and they kept... Everson Griffin, and they have not moved Trey Wayans, and they have not restructured Kyle, Kyle Rudolph, Rudolph because I think Kyle Rudolph doesn't want to. Well, the more I think about this and about Rudolph's situation and just kind of the timing of when his agent put out a statement via NFL Network and then what Rudolph said via the Star Tribune, it's calculated that it happened right going right like in the week, in the days leading up into free agency. As we talked about with extensions, this could be his chance now. Lower his cap hit, give him a two-year extension, make everybody happy. Eventually, he retires as a Viking. He stays here his entire career. It's a win-win for both sides. I'm just kind of surprised it hasn't happened yet. I wonder if he doesn't want to. Like, If he wants to play out this year, have a decent season, catch 60 passes, and then hit the free agent market with almost no other tight ends. I mean, when you look at the free agent market for tight ends this year, there was... Jared Cook and nobody else. Has he signed anywhere yet? There was the Ra- talk of Raiders haven't re- I know New he went Orleans, to New Orleans. Raiders haven't re-signed him. I haven't 
seen if he's landed anywhere yet. And maybe teams would be waiting for the draft if they want Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson to pick him up or pay for him. But if you're Kyle Rudolph and you've got the Pro Bowls in your pocket and his health has sustained itself for a significant portion of time now, he might look at it as, hey, I can be your Jason Witten or something to whatever team. Uh, that there's always need for tight ends. And he is a guy that is probably just inside the top 10 tight ends in the NFL that everyone always wants to hammer him for not getting yards after catch and not being a great blocker. But when you go through the other tight ends, there's Travis Kelsey and there's Gronk and there's um, Zach Ertz. And it's a huge drop off after that. And Rudolph is still well above average. He might look at it as I'm going to make a lot of money this year and then hit the free agent market. And I could probably get a final contract somewhere else or put pressure on this team if, if they don't draft a tight end this year, which I just don't see how they can now. Now, I mean, it has to be offensive line now, unless something really significant changes. I would expect that they get one offensive lineman in the second and third wave of free agency, your bargain basement half price deal. But then you also need to spend, you know, if it's not 18, then maybe you trade back and then you jump back into the first round at the end and you grab somebody right at 30 or 31. You know, it could work, but how do you know that that person's a plug-and-play day-one starter? I just don't think anywhere from 18 to the end of the first round it's any sort of guarantee. So I did a draft sim. I want to hear it. I just did too good here. Okay. This would be, people would be celebrating me. As good as my one from last week? I think it's better. I might get a statue. I'm not sure. Okay. So in the first round, I got Dalton Risner, Mm -hmm. the tackle slash guard from Kansas State. Guy they can play wherever they want. Yep. He can start at right guard right away. Then at 50, surprising to me, Andre Dillard was still there. He was still there? He was. Wow. I would expect him to be gone by top of the second round. So he could potentially start at left tackle if you wanted to move over Riley Reef. Again, you're still risking a lot by starting a second round left tackle, but you might just have to do things like this. And then with the third pick, I got Draymond Jones, who's an interior defensive lineman from Ohio State. This it would be like a dream scenario at this point is if they were able to pull off getting two offensive linemen, two quality players in the first and in the second round. And they ended up last year with Brian O'Neill in the second round after a bunch of linemen went off the board and he played pretty well and he showed some potential, but he was not quite the level of prospect that I think that they thought they were going to get at that position in the second round when they picked Mike Hughes. So this time around, I think you just have to go with maybe both. The Colts did that last year. Mm -hmm. Now, Quentin Nelson was a completely different level of prospect than anybody in this draft. But they did go first and second round with offensive line. And it worked. Yeah, that might be what the Vikings have to do. I don't think that they can afford right now to even consider going high for a tight end, just given where things stand in free agency and the needs that they have left uh, on the offensive line. Then you bring up an interior you know, defensive lineman. Shamar Stefan is a good player. I know that they're very happy to have him back. They like him as a run stopper. They like him for what he can do. Is he Sheldon Richardson? No. But I think Jalen Holmes is that next guy in line. I just I think Jaleel Johnson has kind of reached his ceiling with this. He's an, he's a rotational guy. He's your sub-package guy. You're between three technique and nose tackle. I think that that's where they like him, on third down and situ- in situational uh, pass rush. But... You probably need a little bit more depth there. So I think your third round pick, because right now, correct me if I'm wrong, they don't have a fourth round pick. So we'd be waiting. They don't have a fourth or a fifth, do they? I'll have to look that up. But I know. But I know. I've only been doing three rounds because once you get past that, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know. 
But You're not filling needs past the third round. No. I mean, I'd rather go with undrafted guys than go with your six and seven round pick anyways. But, you know, all that being said, you don't need a linebacker anymore. You don't need a kicker. So both of those things are out of the way. So I think you really can focus offensive line and interior of the defensive line because you have Everson Griffin back. You've got Steven Weatherly. Like, just don't overcomplicate this. Try to load up where you can. And if you have to narrow your needs, so be it. Have you ever seen a group of moves or non-moves so agreed upon by the fan base that it was not the right thing? And I think this is with the Vikings. With doing nothing in this free agency period to bring in offensive linemen. And still, there are bargains to be had. And sometimes that's where you get the best deals is in the last wave of free agency. I'm having a lot of trouble finding those deals for the offensive line, but you you never know. Sometimes there that works out. There are a couple out. deals out there for wide receiver if they do want to try to find a number three. So there are players that are still out there that could be deals. But I look at this on Twitter every day of seeing what people are saying about it and what people tweet me about it. I, I haven't found anybody yet who is trying to defend signing no one to play guard for this team. I I agree with that. I do think that there are some people who are really high on the Anthony Barr re-signing. I I personally am not. I think that, yes, he he does a million things for this defense. He's If we do see him become more of a pass rusher and take a presence on the edge and this team is able to have that rotation that they've been talking about for so long, then sure, I think it's a good signing at that point. But as we talked about last week, can we really judge this signing just yet? Because A, who did they get after him? Well, they were able to restructure Everson Griffin $3 million less to where that's what he's taking in 2019. It didn't really free up that much cap space. So I think that one is still TBD for me, but I'm just not high on it because of the fact that your offensive line, as much as we joke about it with um, everybody on Twitter, the second that, you know, Amir Abdullah, Dan Bailey, I'm trying to think who else would have re-signed in that period too. Um, They're the only ones, I think, so far this week. Um, Every time, is can they play guard? Yes. Can they play guard? I think it's funny. It's obnoxious, but it's funny. Uh, But yeah, no, I mean, this fan base is still just kind of shaking its head at the front office wondering, okay, time and again, they haven't seen something happen. And yeah, this might be part of the plan. Rob Brzezinski, Rick Spielman, this might be part of their plan, that they somehow are seeing something far beyond what we're seeing. But right now, if you're a Vikings fan, if you're probably working in that front office, you're probably a little nervous. I wonder if they expected to be able to restructure Rudolph and then couldn't do it, and it took them by surprise. Or uh, that still could be coming. Yeah. But you can still cut him. They could. You really yeah. could. I mean, that's not completely off the table. I think that would be kind of dumb to do it at this point, especially um, if you don't have anybody else to plug into that. Position. Yeah, and but, I mean, well, we're gonna take a break. Yeah. Um, more to come on this. Sage Rosenfels joins us in the studio, which will be a lot of fun in the second hour. We are going to talk next with Rob Domofsky, who covers the Green Bay Packers for NFL Nation to find out, are the Packers a much better team now than they were at the end of the season? We will do that next. You are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Because the Vikings are on your mind. All the time! Not just during the season. Purple Daily on Score North. Scorenorth.com. I think what we want to do is we really want to assemble our offense through the running game. I think it takes a lot of pressure off the quarterback. You know, if we can stay balanced on first and second down, I think that it's an advantage for the offense. So that's what we want to do. We want to have plays that start out looking the same that are different. And um, so that's what we'll try to accomplish there. 
That is new Green Bay Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. That is going to take some getting used to a new coach for the Green Bay Packers. Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin here on Purple Daily, and we welcome in Rob Domofsky, who covers the Packers for ESPN. Hi, Rob. What's up? Matthew, Courtney, how are you guys today? Not bad, not bad. How weird is this for you? Like, new (laughs) coach? I mean, this has got to be very strange. Yeah, you know, I've covered the Packers for 20-some years. I've covered four head coaches, uh, but Mike McCarthy has definitely been the longest tenured. I I was here for the last two years of Mike Holmgren, the one year of Ray Rhodes, brief as it was, (laughs) and then Mike Mike Sherman and Mike McCarthy, uh, and, and now, you know, Matt LaFleur. So it's um, it's definitely a change. Uh, you know, you, you're used to covering and hearing from one voice uh, for an organization for 13 years. It's definitely different. And McCarthy had such a football voice, too. I mean, like, Matt yeah. LaFleur, Matt LaFleur <laughs> sounds did. like one of us. You're like, what is this? McCarthy's just, you know, well, we've got to have the guy coming off the edge. Like, he just I'm going to miss his conference football, calls. Right? I really yeah. enjoyed Big those. Presence. Yeah, yeah. Big McCarthy had a big presence about him. I mean, he was—he's a football guy in terms of you know just the way he looks. Lafleur is kind of your—I mean, he's a—he was a D two quarterback um, in college. He, he came up through um, the small college ranks. I mean, this is a guy. I wrote a piece for ESPN.com a week or so after he got hired. He went to his. Here's how he got to the NFL. His previous job before he was in the NFL was as the offensive coordinator for Ashland University in Ashland, Ohio. Great offense, uh, obviously. Yeah. Everyone knows obviously. about it. Yeah, went from there to the Houston Texans. I mean, that's who goes from Ashland, Ohio to the NFL? That's a jump. It was a big jump and it was uh and it was a quick jump to being a head coach too. I mean, he was he was with the Texans, uh and he was with the Redskins where he, you know, met up well, he met up with Kyle Shanahan in Houston. Uh, went to uh, went to Washington with him. Um, you know, went out to L.A. with Sean McVay for a couple of years, and then went to Tennessee to call his own place for one year. And there were guys that you know, as the as the coaching search was going on or was getting started, there were people who were telling me, "Hey, look, you know, this is a guy to watch, but he's probably maybe a year, maybe one more coaching cycle around from getting a head coach." But lo and behold, uh, he got one this time. All right, so free agency. We're in the second wave now. You had a very busy week uh, last week. Seems like they wanted to pile it all on in one yep. day. I know there's I- another <laughs> surprise for you, Rob. Usually, I bet right. you're like, ah, you know, take this week off. You know, this, uh- <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking. There were years when I worked at the Green Bay Press Gazette. Um, I, we had two guys on the beat at the time, and there were years where I would take the first week of free agency off because we knew they weren't yeah. going to do anything. I, I'm not kidding. Well, everybody wants to make a big deal about the Jets, the Raiders as the most improved teams in free agency, but I think we can throw the Packers in there. I mean, there's been so much noise about what they did, maybe what what's yeah. left to come. I mean, where do you think they are, especially now what they did with you know Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Adrian Amos? I tend to think they overpaid for Billy Turner, but we can get into no that. Question. But yeah. you know, yeah. to get back in the NFC North race, is this the bounce back that they needed? Well, as one uh, longtime scout said when I asked him why he thought the Packers were so much more involved in free agency, and then the guy said, well, they had no choice. I mean, the, their roster was such that, uh, you know, they were lacking uh, big playmakers. I remember, you know, looking at the, the first time the Packers and Vikings met and, and comparing the defense. I think we even talked about this, Courtney. The Vikings had, like, 
multiple playmakers, guys. You you know you would consider game changing type players at each level of the defense, whether it was you know the defensive line, the outside linebacker spot, and the secondary. I mean, they had multiple guys at each level of the defense, and I, I think at the time the Packers maybe had one with Kenny Clark up front, and then, you know I think now we can say that maybe Jair Alexander, their first round pick last year, the cornerback could be added to that list, but that was it. I mean, Clay Matthews and Nick Perry were no longer playmakers. They didn't really have one in the interior uh, of the linebacking core, even though Blake Martinez makes like 200 tackles a year. Most of them are about five to seven yards behind, you know, after the after where the ball was. And, and then safety was a mess. So, uh, you know, they, they really did have no choice but to go out and get Mike Pettin some more players. I, I, I'm sure somewhere Mike McCarthy is sitting there going, why didn't they do this for me last year? Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, they had to. Uh, you know, they they replaced two aging and injured pass rushers in, in Matthews and Perry with two guys that are 26 years old and have a history of playing in a lot of games. I mean, Preston Smith is 64 for 64 in terms of games played in his NFL career, and Zadarius Smith's not two. I think he's missed six games in four years. So uh, they got younger. They got more reliable. Uh, we'll see if they got more productive, though. So we know that the defensive signings were necessary. Those are things that they had to do. But Billy Turner, all right, so the deal that he gets, it looks like the Packers were a part of this bandwagon where everybody's overpaying for offensive linemen. The market yeah. commands it, though, for guys who it can does. potentially come in and be an impact player. Where do you see him making his impact? Well, they have an opening at right guard where they were pretty much had a rotation of, of players, most of them undrafted free agents or street free agent type of guys. Um, last year. Uh, here's the thing with Turner. They need to get more athletic because you, the clip you played of LaFleur talking about the run game, uh, they're going to run an outside zone scheme, which is totally different than the power running scheme that they had run before. And they're going to need better athletes um, on the offensive line. Now, they have, they've got a really good athlete at left tackle with David Bakhtiari, and he's a first team all pro. No issues there. The center, Corey Lindsley. You know, solid, um, borderline Pro Bowl-type player. Uh, but they've got to get more athletic in some of those other spots. And, and in Turner, you know, right now he projects as a, as a right guard, even though he says he's probably more of a tackle. Uh, in a year or so with Brian Balaga, who's in the last year of his deal, uh, if, if he ends up, you know, not coming back, uh, then Turner can kick out and play right tackle, and you'd have a, a nice athletic guy on that side. I mean, you're going to hear a lot over the next – six months about zone scheme, outside zone runs, and, and, and the Packers haven't really done a lot of that, and, and that's why they had to go get an offensive lineman. And you're right, Courtney, like, you know, here's the thing. Is Billy Turner a, a, a guy who's worth a, what, what did I think, a $9 million signing bonus at $11 million in the first year? Is he worth that? I mean, the market says he probably is. I mean, it's, it's, we, we're living in a world, this is what somebody told me the other day, and I, I, you'd have to check on the contract, but we're living in a world where Devin Funchess is a $10 million a year receiver. Um, so Up to 13 you know, with incentives. Man. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> that's just, you know, it's, 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 if you're going to play in this game of free agency, and like we talked about, the Packers really had no choice. I mean, people are saying, oh, they're bad contracts, this and that. Well, if they, di- if they didn't do these deals, they'd be sitting with nobody. I mean, here we're in the, the, the 2015 draft class is the class that, that has hit free agency right now. There's not a single guy from that draft class still left on the Packers roster, and they used to be a draft-and-develop type 
uh, organization, and they were unable to develop any of those draft picks into guys that got second contracts. And that's another reason that they had to be active in free agency this year. Talking Packers offseason with Rob Domofsky. He covers the Packers for ESPN. All right, so how does uh, A.A. Ron feel about all of this? Because this is going to be a big change. Here's the other thing is we haven't heard from him. We we don't even know what he thinks of the new head coach, and it's been three and a half months since (laughs) that guy, or two and a half months since he's been hired. Rodgers has been completely radio silent all uh, all since the offseason. I think he spoke briefly at the Super Bowl saying, you know, change is, you know, change will be hard, but change will be good. I'm paraphrasing something like that. But look, for years he's wanted the Packers to be more active in free agency. They are. Um, for for a while now we've we've gotten the sense that he didn't wasn't was no longer buying into what um, McCarthy and his staff wanted to do and now he's got a new head coach. So I would say this, you know, Rogers, you know, from the outside view, Rogers looks like he got what he wanted. But it's time for him to play better because he did not play well last year, and, and and he did not stand up there and admit it probably as much as he should. He would say things, "Oh, I missed a couple throws here and there," but you know it, it's on him now to uh, just to get back to an MVP type level because that's what he's being paid at. Obviously, with that 134 million dollar extension he did last August. Well, we don't know anything about quarterbacks not taking responsibility for. Oh, the look you just gave me when Rob said that. <laughs> no, <know> anything about <laughs> it's funny because it's like you're talking about the Vikings with changing to his own scheme and you know, yeah, the all these buzzwords. That right. I'm I'm not sure who Rob's talking about, which NFC right. North team it is. <laughs> I mean, the pressure is on for the quarterback here uh, too with with Kirk Cousins. So, no doubt. So, so where do you see it? Where, where, how do you see these teams comparing? Because the Vikings are basically the same, and from here on out, it would be completely shocking if anything else happened that would change the fabric of who the Vikings are. They're going right. to basically run out the same team that they had last year, and instead of Tom Compton, it might be Josh Klein. Like, so yeah. whatever impact that's going to have. So, so yeah, how, are, how are you looking at it? Yeah, that's a little bit like the approach the Packers had taken last offseason. I mean, they, they made a couple of signings, Jimmy Graham, but, you know, uh, that didn't really have much of an impact. But they basically decided, you know, uh, going into 2018, that their 2017 struggles were because Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone, and they decided they were going to kind of go, you know, status quo and, and fill through the draft, and, and, and it didn't work. Um, and, and now they're in a situation where they've got a new coach and, um, a general manager that's had to make some aggressive moves. I, you know, look, what Chicago did is a little bit, I think, what Green Bay is trying to replicate. You know, for years, it was always the Bears were trying to catch the Packers. They were trying to get a quarterback. And, and I'm not saying they got a quarterback now, but they, they hired a young head coach and they've got a, a really strong defense. And if you look at the Packers, well, they hired a young coach and they put all these resources into their defense. So, you know, there everybody has got to try to in this division. It sort of has to emulate the Bears' model, and, and obviously they got a game-changing player in Khalil Mack that the Packers were trying to get in on and, and, and lost out on in, the, in those trade talks. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the Vikings really do rebound by by kind of doing not a whole lot, and if the Packers can rebound by changing everything. There's t- two different approaches, but both obviously trying to do the same thing, and that's. You know, get caught back up to where the Bears are. Rob, uh, we've been running draft simulations on the show, because why not? And uh, <laughs> I just ran one, and the Packers selected TJ Hawkinson, the tight end out of Iowa. Is this the way that they have to They have to go? Right? They have to get a tight yeah. end or a receiver here? 
here's what they've got to do. They've got to get a guy that can catch the ball down the middle of the field. We, we did a thing, I think it ran maybe yesterday, on ESPN about the biggest remaining need for every team. And, and I, you know, obviously they were looking for position. I didn't narrow it down to a specific position. I just said somebody that can catch the ball in the middle of the field, whether that's a tight end or, or a slot receiver or even a running back that's dynamic in the passing game because, you know, they're, they're, you know Randall Cobb has is, is probably run its course. He's just, just, just too injured to, to rely on, and he's on the free agent visit tour. And, uh, they really don't have a, a slot receiver. And, and with Graham, you know, the, the production was not quite what they thought. I am actually surprised they're bringing it back for another year, to be honest with you. Um, but, I, you know, the two, either of the two tight ends um, from Iowa are options. There's some people that think that'd be a good pick at 12. There's some people that think it'd be a better pick at 30. The Packers have those two first-round picks. I mean, it's been all over the board where where those tight ends are. You know, some people see them as top 15 players. Some people see them as late late first-round, early second-round picks. Uh, but I, either way, I can see that as a, as a definite possibility. Well, we saw what they did last year with their secondary going all in, um, yeah. combat the passing league, smart move. And in those picks, I mean, Jair Alexander was somebody that Mike Zimmer was very high on. I'm sure that if he was available at 30, he would have loved to get in on that. Yeah. But um, when we take a look, so they've got two first-round picks this year. They're picking at 30 where the Vikings picked, and then, as you mentioned before yeah. that, at 12. Could you see them just given the depth of all these defensive linemen and some of the guys that might fall out of the top 10? Could they go after a guy like Ed Oliver if he's still there? Yeah, they they could, and I think that's what they, Courtney, with it, what they did with free agency is they filled some holes so that they could be more flexible in the draft. That if a scenario like that happened, um, they could go get them. But also that if it didn't happen, that they wouldn't have to force and and, and reach for somebody either. So so I think you know by by being active in free agency, they really opened up a ton of possibilities with the draft. And I mean they have they have twelve, they have thirty, and they also have forty four. Uh, the 12th pick in the second round. So three three picks in the top 44 um, gives Brian Gutekunst a ton of flexibility. And, um, you know, he really worked the draft pretty masterfully last year for his first time in that chair. They were originally at 14. They traded back to, um, I think, 27. And then they traded back up to 18 where they took Alexander. And then in the second round they took another corner, Josh Jackson, who uh, might end up being a safety but should be a guy who contributes. And, Look, we've seen the Packers double up at positions before. I mean, they, they did it this year in free agency with the two pass rushers. They did it in the draft last year with the two corners. I mean, who knows? Maybe they take two pass catchers at 12 and 30, or maybe they take two, you know, the same type of position. It's just that they have never been afraid. And even going back to previous years under Ted Thompson, they did this. They drafted multiple guys at the same position high. And, and you know, I just think this gives them so much more flexibility. Had they sat there and maybe only signed one guy in free agency or two guys, you know, they'd be forced to maybe, you know, fill specific needs during during the draft, and, and I just think they can be a lot more flexible now. Rob, have you finished filling out your brackets yet? Yeah, it is, and like every year, I hate it. I look at it and I go, <laughs> this bracket. Well, you can, all, you can do like 10 of them if you want. 25 on yeah, ESPN, I, I think. I, I know, but I still I, I just end up with Duke every time anyway. Me too. It's it's hard not to. It's hard not to. As long as Zion's shoes stay together, then I, I think he's going to be fine. <laughs> well, Rob, let's uh, let's get together again, and we'll maybe before draft time we'll draft sim live with you, and then we'll just you know Sounds go back good. and forth. I'd love to do it, guys. <laughs> All right, thanks for joining thanks, us, Rob. Rob. All right, we'll be seeing you. That is uh, Rob Domofsky. He covers the Packers for ESPN. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we will talk a little bit about the. 
domino effect potentially of Everson Griffin staying with the Vikings on a restructured contract. That is the one that I think that we'll question as we go forward here when we analyze the Vikings offense. So we'll talk about that when we come back here. You are listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Sports talk that leans north. Score North. Minnesota sports anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. All right, back here on Purple Daily, Sage Rosenfels will join us in studio in about 20 minutes, assuming that he can find his way in the building. There's construction out front, so I wish Sage the best of uh, getting in here. Other than that, something we teased before the break, Everson Griffin signing the contract extension, restructure, whatever you want to call it, might be the move. Pay cut would be a very blunt way, but not a pay cut by as much as I thought. So he's still going to get a good chunk of cash. And that's the one, even more so than Anthony Bard, that I think we'll end up questioning as we go along. Like, last year we said the same thing with Mike Hughes. When they drafted Mike Hughes, our thought was, well, we have to see how the second round plays out before we know whether to question this pick. And this will be the thing that we go back to over and over and over again throughout the season is they decided to pick a cornerback instead of an offensive lineman in the first round. And ultimately, it did not work out very well. Uh, Mike Hughes tore his ACL. The Vikings offensive line was about as bad as it gets in the NFL last year. Hughes may become a really good player, but on a win-now type of team, they probably could have used more help on the inside. So that was the one that we continued to go back to. I think as we go forward with this season, it'll be the Everson Griffin restructure more than bringing back Anthony Barr. That is the move we say, could you have used a little bit of that money to get offensive linemen X, Y, or Z? And oftentimes, overspending on the guard market will get you in trouble. But there were a number of guys who would not have been game changers, but at least would have been placeholders, and Nick Easton is one of them, but they simply could not afford to even bring him back. Well, I'm a firm believer against the overpaying for the guard market because you're basically taking guys who are possibly... Starters, maybe not, mostly backups, but could fill that void. And I think you're overpaying. I don't think it would have been smart to pay Nick Easton six million. I think it was wise that the Vikings didn't even attempt to match that offer because right now, uh, well, before the Dan Bailey re-signing today, I mean, we knew they had around six, almost seven million dollars in cap space. Um, the Griffin restructure was not nearly as much as I thought it would be. The pay cut, I mean, yeah, it's about a three million dollar cap savings, and his his uh, base salary dropped from about ten point nine to somewhere in the six million dollar range. But I think that when you look at this thing as a whole and what it means for Griffin, it actually works out. I think more in his favor. Because if you're able to play at the level you were at or get close to the level you were at in 2017, there then you can void those final three years on your contract. They kind of did him a solid with that by giving him that flexibility based on sacks and playing time that if he can top what he did last year, and he obviously missed five games last year, so that's you know that was some pretty hefty hits to his stats, um, that he could restructure there, and that allows him then to go get his next big deal. Because like then, or you know, not next big deal, take that back. It allows him to finish his career either in Minnesota or kind of go the Kevin Williams, Jared Allen route where you go somewhere else. I mean, when you take a look at what Jared Allen did, uh, what was it, 2013, he said that, uh, or no, it's Kevin Williams, uh, Jared Allen wanted to get paid, what was it, 2015. So then he goes on those final two years, he goes to Chicago and then he goes to Carolina and that, you know, he, did, he agreed to not take a pay cut. Um, 
And then he signed the four-year, $32 million deal with Chicago, which was basically three years, 24, when it came down to all the things that they could void out of that. Um, I think that that's probably the route that Everson Griffin's going to go, where the Vikings don't keep pass rushers all that much once they get up 31, 32, 33 years old. I mean, you just see a dip in production. So it's basically a prove-it type deal. Like, hey... You didn't want to get released outright. I mean, you decided you wanted to stay here. You're comfortable here. You've spent nine years here already. If you can get back to what you were, then you then the leverage is all on you. But in terms of what this does right now, I don't think... I think it probably would have been a smarter move, financially speaking, not talking about the defensive line right now, but financially speaking, because they could probably have plugged that in the draft and, and seeing what they have among their other pass rushers and potentially even Anthony Barr filling some of that void. I think it would have been smarter to get the 10.5 that they would have gotten in cap savings to then go after an offensive lineman because at that point last Thursday there were still several out there. Um, obviously, most of the you know the, the really good ones were gone at that point. Mitch Morris, Roger Saffold, um, Billy Turner was gone off the board. Uh, Paradis was gone. Is it Brian Paradis? Uh, Mike. Mike Paradis. Um, Matt. Matt Paris. Matt Paris, yep. one of the three. Um, they were all gone by Wednesday, so it still would have been kind of slim pickings, but. You, I would have supported a move then on Thursday to go after somebody and maybe pay a little bit more, but still not overpaying on Sunday like the Saints did with uh, Nick Easton. The thing that I keep coming back to is let's say that you absolutely feel like you have to have Anthony Barr back to have a top defense again. Like, okay, we let's just say we agree on that. I'm not sure that we entirely do, but I think that Barr is very important to Mike Zimmer, and he's a really unique talent. Hard to replace someone who's 255 pounds and also can run the way Anthony Barr can. Unless so, you're going to get Brian Burns. Yeah, or unless you're going to get Jamie Collins, who's still a free agent. But aside from that, it's a very rare skill set that Barr has. So let's just say we all agree on that. But if you were to remove from the equation Trey Waynes and Everson Griffin and create almost $20 million in cap space. You can bring back, at that point, Nick Easton. You can sign one of these longer shot guards and still plan on drafting two more in the draft, uh, maybe the first three rounds, and maybe add a running back. Instead of Amir Abdullah, maybe you're getting TJ Yeldon, who's a much more proven running back, especially out of the backfield at 55 catches. Maybe you're bringing in another receiver. Maybe you're in the mix for Jordy Nelson. So that's the equation that I can't stop doing with this team because last year they played either without Everson Griffin making an impact or just without him in general for probably 12 out of the 16 games. There were only a couple games where he actually was Everson Griffin. And Early he, in the season, he looked like it. Those first two games, San Francisco and Green Bay, I thought that he was on pace to go back to where he was in 2017. But even you and I both agreed that the age that he's playing at, 11 and a half sacks or whatever he had, you know, Daniil Hunter is going to be getting those those numbers. That's where, I mean, obviously more teams now are going to start doubling him, but that was the progression he was at. We kind of all expected Everson Griffin to take a little bit of a dip in 2018, now I just wonder, is this more of a loyalty move? It certainly feels like it. Um, for somebody that you could potentially move into that Brian Robeson role of where he's going to become a situational pass rusher. Very expensive loyalty move. And last year, I just pulled up Pro Football Focus's grades. After he came back in week eight, he had one week where he was graded as an above-average pass rusher Detroit? by PFF. Yep, it was Detroit yeah. in week nine. 
And the everybody o- was good in, against yes. Detroit. And then he got another solid overall grade against Miami yeah. again. Everyone, everybody was everybody good. Was good. Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer. Do you remember in uh, Anthony Barr's thing last week? He threw out a little dig at Miami. Yes, that was uh, Barr's uh, first multi sack career game of his career. It was astounding going through that tape. I remember that of just being like, "What are they? What are they doing?" Uh, what is Miami doing on offense and defense? It yeah. was like they did not want to make the playoffs at all. Um, or even because I remember they were still competing for it at that time and it was so bad. But, uh, you know, when you when you look at the equation here of they didn't have Griffin or the same Griffin for most of the year. Trey Waynes was hurt at times, played average or, you know, above average against the run. And they still had one of the best defenses in the entire NFL, still the fourth ranked defense. That's what I keep coming back to is you were so far down 19th in scoring on offense and so high still on defense despite not having some of these players and yet bringing them back at these prices and taking away your opportunities to have more talent around Kirk Cousins. It's just a formula that I don't think is the right way to go. And and I ran the numbers on over the cap for how much they spend on offense versus defense. Mm-hmm. Second highest spending team on defense, 19th on offense, and that's with the highest quarterback contract, the highest quarterback cap hit, or one of them. If you took that away, if he was on a rookie deal, Kirk Cousins, they would be in the bottom three of offensive spending right now. Of course, they have no guards, but they also have no cap money. And that, that's the equation that I, I'm, I'm wondering how they balance that. Like, is it entirely drafting offensive players? Is it a trade that we still don't know about? Because that could still happen. Is it somebody else being released or let go? It just doesn't feel like they can be done with the offseason here except for the draft. I don't think so. I agree with you. I just think that there has to be something else, whether we're seeing one or two extensions taking place. I mean, heck, I know that this is... It's hard. It's a little hard for people to fathom when you consider, okay, Trey Waynes is probably gone if you're just looking at it on paper. In 2020, they have his fifth-year option this year. They really could if they wanted to extend him right now. It would be kind of weird, and if I'm Trey, I wouldn't want to do it because I want to go make my money in oh, 2020 yeah. and beyond. But they could do that if they want to offer him something appetizing, and then they just keep pushing the money down the line. Um, I just, I don't know. I did some digging around last week, just on you know what could potentially be for a trade. Uh, I, I am not on the on board with hey, our cornerback depth is great in that sort of thinking of of, of you know if that's what the Vikings think. I don't think it's that great because you just don't know what Mike Hughes is going to be like when he comes yep. back. You don't know how injured Xavier Rhodes could potentially be in 2019. I don't think you want to hedge your bets on a risk a risk like that unless you're going to go draft a cornerback right away, which would, again, be a very not-so-great move. But I do think that we are going to see something else happen because they can't possibly be done. There's no upgrade around Kirk Cousins right now. Very few um, that I could see happening in this part of free agency, maybe getting a guy like Pierre Garçon or another wide receiver in at that number three position, but you're going to have to go offense heavy, which I'd love to read you my mock draft that I just did. Oh, sure, Um, yeah. And you've got to create some space to potentially do some of that, expedite that process a little bit before the draft. Okay, so Manny did a draft too. Well, I want Manny. I want to hear I, Manny. First. I want Manny to play some NFL films music because any opportunity to do this, we should. And I want you guys to go through your drafts, and I'm going to do another one while you guys talk. Okay. So, okay, why don't you start with? Your, I, want, I want Manny to go first. Okay, Manny, I'm start with first. Your, your first round pick. All right. Wait, we'll, wait, 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 wait. I want some introduction. I want an introduction voiceover to this. You don't play you the NFL. Do a, yes. You want me to do an intro, <laughs> intro voice for my NFL, own mock draft? Yes, you don't play the NFL <laughs> films music without dramatic introductions. 
Manny Hills 2019 <laughs> Minnesota Vikings mock draft. He's not a circus act. <laughs> I do the same thing. Go ahead, Manny. Uh, <laughs> first, first pick, 18th overall. I went with uh, Garrett Bradbury, inside offensive lineman from NC State. Good pick. I mean, if he, he's, I've seen him there at 18, and I've also actually seen him there at 50. I think that's a really good pick, and I think that if he, if depending upon where Reisner is, Ford, Dillard, I think that that's a smart pick. Who did you take? Courtney? I took Cody Ford because he was there, available for me. Garrett Bradbury was actually not there at 18, which mm-hmm. I was kind of shocked by. You know what I just did? I just went completely YOLO and picked TJ Hawkinson anyway. Okay. Mm. I, seven on seven. Who needs guards? Go Arena Football League. That's baby. right. <laughs> uh, Arena Football League. We're going to throw in Danny Isadora and uh, somebody else's practice squad guy. Maybe Rashad Hill starts and they move Reef inside. Oh, God. And we're just going to throw it in 1.5 seconds or less to TJ Hawkinson. All right, Manny, you're up. Uh, my next pick at 50, I went with Chris Lindstrom, a uh, interior offensive lineman from Boston College. I'm loading up on offensive linemen. Two linemen. I, yeah. I am too. I went with Andre Dillard at 50 because he was there and because of the fact that he can play multiple positions. We're going, my, my third pick's going to probably make you queasy, but um, I wanted to go all offensive line early. Okay, I went with Elkton Jenkins, who is an interior offensive lineman. He dropped, and I think that's a pretty good pick. He can play four different positions too. Your third round selection, Mr. Hill. Uh, I went with the tight end, Dawson Knox from Mississippi. He's a uh, prototypical tight end size, about 6'4", about 250 pounds, and he can run. So that's where I went. He can stretch the field. He can go vertical. Two so. offensive linemen, a tight end. Very solid. You, Courtney? I went with Jonathan Abram, the safety from Mississippi State, because he was there. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that, you know, a lot of people look at um, what the needs are, and yes, they brought back Anthony Harris as a restricted free agent. Um, but I think that Abram is one of the best players in this draft period, completely underrated. I know his college story and his high school story in and out because I covered this kid when he was, you know, coming up in high school and didn't have a division one offer and now is being considered one of the top safeties in this NFL draft. I think it's an amazing story and I think he's a really good player. He could be somebody that, you know, works for a year under a guy like Anthony Harris, maybe works into a rotation of what Mike Zimmer wants to do with some of the hybrid stuff that he does in his secondary. And there you go. All right, with my third pick, I took Miles Boykin, a receiver from Notre Dame. So I end up with two weapons and one offensive lineman and blocking be damned. Uh, (laughs) Manny went with two offensive linemen and a tight end, and you grabbed a safety and two offensive linemen. I'm going to irritate a lot of people with that. I think this is going to have to be how it goes. All right, our journeyman quarterback reporter, Sage Rosenfels, will be in studio next hour, so keep it here. You are listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. 
Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.